And welcome to yet another episode of The Dice Are Screaming. Oh! Oh, a howl. Yes, yes. It's all very spooky, very scary. My apologies. I'm afraid my werewolf has peed on your rug. Oh. Oh. <laughs> bad thing. Bad. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, welcome to another episode of Dice Are Screaming. Coming at you live or recorded or... However you get to us here on Anchor. <laughs> uh, Animated, shambling, undead mounds. That's right. <laughs> I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And together we form the gestalt that is the Dice are Screaming. Oh, hey, thank you, Katie. Yeah, with the cheers from the gallery. Yeah, got the cats running amok. So, doing the thing that we do so well, we're going to talk about some topic tonight. It's Topic Tuesday, and it's getting close to Halloween. So, we're wrapping up our Spooktoberfest. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we have a couple call-ins to get to tonight, and also, yes, more of that cat. Yeah, she is very vocal, so hopefully you can hear that. Um, <clears throat> Huge she, fan. Yeah, big fan. Uh, Our numbers are great amongst felines. Yeah, that's right. Just uh, like all kinds of like a, attentive, you know, feedback from felines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, our job is tonight. Uh, we got a couple call-ins coming in at you, so we're just going to get right into them. So, we'll be back. Hey guys, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Great episode. I, I really don't have much to add. I mean, you, you know, there are tw- tens of games we can list, but realistically, you covered the important ones. The only thing I would mention is that I really like Unknown Army's second edition. Not so much for the world there, although the world's interesting, but because of the changes they made, I would say the refinements they made to the deeper centile system, the basic role-playing system like Call of Cthulhu is based on. I... I think if I was going to play a horror game, I would probably use that system and then, you know, use whatever world and setting I wanted to, but I'd use the mechanics from Unknown Army 2nd Edition. The other system I would consider, especially if I was doing a personal horror game or we were trying to do, like, internal horror or, um, hold on, that minute time limit really rushes up on you, doesn't it? So if I was trying to do a real personal game or or a quote-unquote light game, I would use Cthulhu Dark. I think it gives you all the tools you need. So, anyway, it's a great episode. Really enjoyed listening to it, and I look forward to the next one. Hi, right, Jason. Thank you. And that's, uh, of course, Jason from RPG Nerds Variety Cast uh, giving us some thoughts. Yeah, I uh, that one-minute uh, time limit does sneak up on you sometimes. So I, I, I sympathize. I haven't. Uh, I've never played Unknown Armies. Yeah, not really heard of it, but, yeah, interesting. Uh Uses, uh, I guess, the basic role-playing percentile. But, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I kind of am enamored of uh, Call of Cthulhu. Um, I know that some people don't like playing in the 20s. I, I like the different uh, timelines I've had, the Gaslight or Victorian era and the Roman times Cthulhu Invictus or Dark Ages and even the Apocalypse. Uh, Seth Skorkowski, um who does a YouTube podcast, covers a lot of those, and uh, has some good thoughts, so I'd also check those out. But yeah, yeah. Cthulhu Dark, definitely, uh, like you said, uh, one-on-one horror, interpersonal horror, yeah, that's definitely a good way to take on it. So uh, yeah, man, thanks a lot, and uh, keep those call-ins coming. Uh, We really appreciate that, so thanks for giving us a new insight. Unknown Armies, we're going to have to check that one out. 
All right, so we're going to be moving on here, and we've got Joe Richter. Oh, Joe A. from the block. Yeah, and he's got some thoughts to share with us, so we'll be right back. What's up, fellas? It's Joe. I was just listening to one of your back episodes on When Nature Attacks, and you guys mentioned the War for the Crown campaign, which pumped me up. I think that campaign looks really cool, and I'd love to hear just like what you think of it so far. You know, we don't need a, like a whole synopsis or anything, but just kind of your thoughts um, as a GM and a player. Also, I'm super curious about the Vigilante class. It seems like such a weird class with the whole, you know, secret identity thing. I think that's the one. Came out in like Ultimate Intrigue. But how does that play out in actual game terms, like around the table? I don't know. That's the stuff that I was thinking about. So anyway, peace out. Hey, Joe. Uh, hey, thanks for the call in. Uh, wow. Um, yeah, we're going to try to be brief on this. Uh, War of the Crown. Okay, we'll handle these one at a time. Um, yeah, I like the War of the Crown. I like its scope. Um, some of the mechanics I've kind of pushed aside because they do tend to get a little bit in the way, such as the social uh, uh, building building a uh, reputation and all that. I pretty much handle that in uh, just normal game anyway, so it's nice that uh, Pathfinder did give a uh, nod to it, but it does seem a little cumbersome in this one. Uh, there's so much going on. But I definitely like the relics that were handed out, uh, the ones that level up as the players go through. That is really good for me. Yeah, and they are tailored to have usefulness in campaign that lasts beyond you know, like their initial finding. They... They they grow in ways that the players will need later on. Yep. Uh, so there was some sharp writing there. Uh, there's good twists and turns. Uh, speaking as a player, uh, some of it is a little hard to parse out uh, because honestly, you know, it's it's tough to tell what's a red herring and what is the correct choice. And in some cases, they've smartly done away with the notion of the correct choice and just provided, uh, here are the outcomes depending on the choices the players might make. Uh, and I highly approve of that, uh, that mm -hmm. open-ended, look, uh, you guys make a judgment call, and then the chips will fall wherever they may. Just, just going to say, as a player who has been a DM a lot, uh, I like that. That yeah. just really stood out, and to me it seemed like... Uh, I hadn't seen a lot of modules take that approach over the years. Uh, now, there's more of them than there used to be, but this was a full campaign set that maintains that open-ended atmosphere largely all the way through. What would it be, like two installments in? Oh, we're four. Four installments in. Uh, and it still has that sense of open-ended, your players are altering the landscape. As for the Vigilante... A uh, lot of fun to see that in play. Now, if your players are really good, I suppose you could theoretically uh, lock down all information about the Vigilante and have only one player know for certain that they are, in fact, I am the Vigilante. You know, I am the, the dreadful guardian of the night. Uh, that... One player would know that, and it would be insanely hard to try to keep that information from the rest of the group uh, beyond a certain point. 
we've gone with the more traditional format of the players are in on, on this, but it affects gameplay regularly because the vigilante in their hero mode uh, is not formally associated with the player characters. Uh, so only on those missions by dark of night when you're breaking into some place nest of creepy crawlies, then it's okay for the vigilante to be there with you. You cannot just run around in public together as part of his gang or the people searching for the oppositional figure of the vigilante will start targeting you in true comic book fashion. It'll ping your reputation. So yeah, I, there are great permutations. What a DM decides to do with that. I'm going to say up to them. Yeah, I kind of let it, uh, the players in on it. Um, they kind of uh, worked it out pretty quick that this was what was going on. And, you know, for the most part, uh, the personas are, are different. And sometimes it does lead to some small uh, solo gaming and sneaking around or even <clears throat> assassination. But it's a really good class. And I think that it's probably one of the better takes I've seen on this in a fantasy game. So... Yeah, and, uh, let's just say the Red Raven wasn't bound by Batman rules. No, he sure wasn't. So, <laughs> oh, but the evildoers got punished. So, I mean, you know, it all kind of squares away in the end. Yeah, uh, and having two distinct personalities to play is uh, a lot of fun for the players. So, everything seems to be going along pretty well. I'd highly recommend it. But yeah, you know. I I gotta say, if you have players who can handle moving back and forth between highly social scenes where much. Uh, interaction and talk is expected of them, where they're, they're going to have to analyze people, strike deals, make good first impressions, uh, and n negotiate uh, reasonable compromises. If they're okay with that, and they like, you know, mixing it up and kicking butt and battles royale, uh, there's plenty of action. I mean, for a for a module series that purports to be heavy on the intrigue. Uh, there is no shortage of butt-kicking. I, you know, <laughs> the the dice are going to be in your hand no matter what, but I, I don't think anybody would be grievously uh, disappointed. Yeah. So, well, there you have it. There's that, our short synopsis. Short but glowing. I, not going to be ashamed, you know, in full disclosure. I mean, you know, having played it, uh, we're loving it. Yeah, so maybe we'll do a review here shortly. So Yeah, I mean, really, we should do a pick-apart session for this one, because, I mean, I'd love to uh, get to go through some of the minutia. Although, yeah, let's not open any later chapters, you know, like, I, I don't want to I don't want to spoiler anything that I haven't done yet. Okay. So. <laughs> well, good deal. All right, so, well, thank you again, Colin, and for Joe, and everyone else. Uh, thank you for your time and your thoughts. We really enjoy hearing from you, and hopefully uh, you folks out there enjoy uh, conversating, too. That's the fun of the scene crap. And speaking of crap, we got some bills to pay. So we're going to give our little plug and uh, we'll be right back after this. And we're back. So thanks for sticking around. And we're here to talk about our topic, our final Spooktober entry, which is Season of the Witch. Yes, uh, you could expect no less from the Dime Store Yarn Bin. Mm. Of gaming podcasts. Well, my yeah. wife would appreciate that one. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's useless, but <laughs> like us, you know. Yeah. The quality is questionable, but, eh, you know, it, it's got its place at the Might table. Might be able to make a nice doily out of it. Yeah, it, you know, got a place at the table, just, you know, maybe not your top tier. Yeah, not your red heart. Okay, well, uh, 
And what do we mean by the season of the witch? We're talking Halloween itself. You know, this this part of fall, this uh, human experience that comes around every year that is the death of the world, so to speak. Yeah. As we watch everything fade away and the leaves fall and everything begins to give up. Uh, and for thousands of years, humanity has taken note of the fact that there's a time when the crops... You know, like you, you bring in that last big harvest and then you hunker down before things get really bad. Uh, and you wait for the spring. And that, that moment of death, uh, that moment of death is, well, in many different cultures, celebrated in different ways. Uh, but this equinox, this yeah. uh, Samhain or Samhain, uh, it's celebrated almost everywhere. So the season of the witch, uh, so to speak, and the associated horror and stuff, well, uh, that's this. Happy yeah. Halloween. Exactly. And, you know, this is where you roll out your dog-eared copy of Ravenloft or break out that Call of Cthulhu one-shot. You know, it's a time to be thrilled. It's a time to be scared. And it's a time to revel in the macabre and the creepy, and even the slightly the the morbid, because we have a certain affectation for celebrating these things that kind of scare us, which also thrill us, but they entertain us. And Dungeons and Dragons, a role playing game, primarily have a spooky element to them all the way through. And you know whether it's the undead or it's the you know mysteries from beyond, it's there. It's it permeates, and this is the time where you can kind of come back in the younger days where you could kind of come out a little bit more with your Dungeons and Dragons and creepy stuff because, you know, despite <laughs> giant spiders and the spooky wiggly things, there's also the undead oh, liches yeah. and skeletons and zombies and ghouls aplenty, but, you know, also, you know, the evil sorcerer, necromancers. Tell it's them. all gloriously. Clad in those colors of oh, orange, black, and purple. You know, demons and devils and whatnots, you know, that go bump in the night that are out to get you and do not mean you well. Uh, it always in an oppositional relationship, which was the tidbit that people so often forgot. I mean, worth mentioning the same people who absolutely despised Dungeons and Dragons at the time of its uh, increasing visibility were also the people who adamantly insisted that Halloween itself was a terrible time of year, that it was uh, sinful and wrong to in any way celebrate it, and that, you know, it, people's time would be better spent uh, foregoing all of the costumes and candy and just going to church and praying for forgiveness for the things they do wrong all year. Uh, of course, that didn't come to pass because the great majority of people love a good time. Uh, you know, it's not a it's not that they don't like their faith in particular, it's just that people like to blow off steam and this is a very unique time of year to do that with yeah. its lavish costumes that there are people who literally this is the moment they've saved up for all year long. Like I'm going to just break the bank. Uh, you know, my Halloween costume is going to leave people in, you know, <laughs> it'll be water cooler talk for the next six months. You know, that that is the level 
of excitement some people have for this. Uh, and, hey, bless them, as well they should. It's a good time to be had by all. Old yeah. and young. And as we cover through the various topics and uh, Freeform Fridays that we've had here, we tried to bring out kind of the thrill of being spooked and the kind of celebration that comes with the... There's a certain glamour to the horror aspect of this year, you know, of the season. You know, if you oh, even absolutely. look at like uh, Bella Lugosi's uh, quintessential vampire costume, you know, the red silk cape and the fine tuxedo with the open breast pockets. I know. He looks like he's set to go to the opera. I know. And, that and little... not just like, you know, terrorize a small village on the way. But, you know, he, he's headed for the opera while he terrorizes villages. Yeah, you know, there's a certain glamour to it all. And, you know, even uh, the classic Frankenstein, you know, oh, lumbering about, you know, there's a glorious spooktacular feeling about it where you just kind of get into the... It brings out a lot of the kid in us. And, you know, as I can gush on and on about it, I also want to say that gaming allows you to translate that into a shared format, much like telling a ghost story, where you're telling a creepy story and a haunted castle or abandoned ruins or dungeon or even just exploring an old haunted house in call of cthulhu that's a good ghost story and this is the time of year to do it yeah i uh actually since it is freeform friday and i'm, I'm not honor bound to a or, uh, specific... it's topic tuesday but we're oh, kind of yeah. moving on the topic but yes. uh, yeah it's uh pre-halloween and we're we're breaking the bank on this one we're yeah. doing more of a ramble uh we're breaking format and we're just having a good time about something we really love and like the relationship between Halloween this season and gaming. Uh, I did a special birthday Halloween themed game uh, this weekend and it was uh, for a group of kids and I retrofit the original Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh with its original haunted house or theoretically haunted house uh, so that I could build a game that was 5e ready but uh, low impact enough that you know a group of 9 to 12 year olds you know would, would not find any objectionable material in here uh, and the whole process was observed by a number of parents who got their first chance to see a, a you know a game throw down uh, with <laughs> their kids so I, I had a full audience, and I had a terrific time. But, yeah, the gaming, perfect example of what you're talking about here. The mm -hmm. gaming was themed to be spooky and creepy with, like, an as-yet-known, unknown, as-yet-unknown uh, malefactor behind things that you then have to work to unravel the plot. Uh, I, I enjoyed... Uh, playing it, although, wow, the energy of uh, preteens is exhausting. Holy cats! Uh, it it was kind of like shoveling pitchfork with or shoveling smoke with a pitchfork mm. in the wind. I, but good times were had. People laughed and yeah, uh, squirt guns and uh, water bottles, you know, are good to uh, get their attention. Thank <laughs> <laughs> much. You know. Probably should have gone with that. <laughs> Get off the counter. I don't think the parents would have minded. I, no. I think I think that have been. T hey, we're taking notes on this. We got to take that home. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, mini yeah. consultations on the wandering damage chart. You take 12 points of damage. From what? I don't know. It's just something. <laughs> he tripped. Throne gnomes. Oh. No. Uh, but it was the perfect opportunity for Halloween spookiness and creepiness and creaky old building and, uh, you know, crazy screams coming from, a, you know, a pre-programmed magic mouth. But, you know, that's not what's important. Important thing is that lots of spookiness and creepiness and seeming hauntedness until the plot is unraveled. Uh, but truly appropriate for the season. Yeah, and it's always a good idea to, you know, <clears throat> even if you're running a regular campaign around the Halloween time, you know, maybe throw a couple of spooky encounters. Even on the Pirate Island, I uh, did that. Uh, there was plenty of times for tension and uh, uncertainty. And, you know, those quiet moments where you can add a little bit of extra detail adds tension. What's going to happen next? real quiet when you describe things so your voice is low and everybody has to pay extra attention and then your voice gets a little bit more powerful and booming and you know then and then you're howling at them oh no no No, perhaps not all right not that bad but But yeah yeah. we we had mute every household we knew was having some kind of pre-halloween gig this weekend and monday yeah and um i did get a a Twitter uh, message um, if we were going to do ghost stories. And uh, I said, well, you know, we've been wanting to do a war stories campaign. Or a campaign episode. Tales from our campaign and all that. So just to kind of celebrate it, I think that uh, I'd like to end it up with a couple stories. Uh, we can probably get one a piece, I think, in our time limit here. Talk about uh, some of our favorite spooky moments that we've ran and been part of in, a, in our campaigns, not just together, but overall. Okay. Oh. So, what, do, you, uh, do you have anything in particular? Oh, oh, all right. I'm the opener on this one. Sure. Oh, right on, man. I'm going to come out of the gate. It's a thing that I've, I've mentioned and that we have referred to in the past, uh, but I haven't quite gone into complete detail. I'll try to keep it relatively timely uh, and not run over. Uh, Warhammer fantasy role-playing. Okay. Uh, And this was circa 1988, 89 maybe. I I think it was 89 or like early in 90. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were running the Enemy Within campaign, and there was a series of disappearances, uh, which... We assumed, of course, were ill-intentioned. Something terrible was happening to people. Uh, and the town council would hear none of it. I mean, there, there might have been a single empathetic ear or two. Uh, but the town council had a couple of members on it who were implicated in the cult and were actively working to suppress any investigation thereof. Uh, and the clock was ticking... And it was evident to us that some kind of ritual with a very bad ending was about to take place. Oh. Um, <laughs> implied by you, no less. Uh-huh. Uh, that that added the stress level. So, you know, we had a very strong sense that if we don't get this right, if we don't shut this down fast, something terrible is going to happen on the night of the full moon. Or, or was it the new moon? 
It was the uh, twin moons because they had the. Uh, that's right, the more sleeve and the chaos moon. But I, I remembered that the position of the moons was very important, and that that coming night was going to be a disaster for everyone. Stopped. Yeah. Well, we did manage to find the place at long last, and it just as the ritual is being undertaken, we broke into the place and started tearing into the cultists. Uh, and I had the final stroke of brilliance in that particular run of the campaign. Uh, it was our first time through it, but uh, I know what happens when a very carefully staged ritual with very precise boundaries is not merely interrupted, but rather has the like warding symbols that grant the mage control scuffed. So I trashed uh, the bindings, uh, and the backlash on the caster got him sucked down into hell. Uh, that, the creepiness of that moment, like if I, you know, if I don't get this done very shortly, uh, all hell is literally going to break loose because they're going to have a major, powerful demon under their control. And this is Warhammer, where this is not a lapping matter. This is not like somebody sent a little, you know, mains demon from, uh, first edition to come, like, poke you, you know, poke, poke, ah, hell is terrible, ah, you know, <laughs> no, um, this, this was a Warhammer demon, and that means that, like, this campaign is largely over, because we're all gonna die, uh, so the, the high pressure, the spookiness and creepiness, I sat on the edge of my seat, and the ending combat was the only time any of the players drew a sword the whole night, uh, there were no fights, it was all investigation, and every single one of us was keyed up, on edge, and like, oh, we gotta do this, we gotta figure this out, follow every lead, split the party if we have to, you know, we need answers, and we need them now. Uh, it was an elegant level of tension. Oh. A great spooky story, fighting a demonic cult. Yeah, and it was near Halloween. And winning the day. Yeah, it was in the fall, too, it was, it was, uh. The perfect atmosphere and weather. And also it was kind of the Halloween and the Warhammer world, too. Oh, yeah. That's when it was. No, that was a fine, that was a fine outing. That would be, it's not exactly a ghost story, but when you've got evil cult and demons summoning and disappearing children, wow, very Halloween, scary topic. Yeah, and uh, no spoilers there. Uh, if you know what the module is, uh, you're in the know. If you don't, well, uh, if you play the enemy within, you might. So, there you go. Uh, well, okay, that was a good one. Um, I'm going to go uh, as a player on this one. I don't get to do it as often as I'd like. Oh, sure. But I'm playing with a group of friends over at uh, Western, and um, Halloween came around, and so we decided to do... Some Ravenloft and um, the DM in particular wanted to do uh, a mid-level one. He didn't want anything too crazy, and so you know we came to the the table fully expecting you know to have kind of a a mid-level thrill, and uh, we ended up being uh, killed right off the bat. Uh, you know, just like oh that happened, and uh, wasn't really particularly uh, eventful. I mean, it happened. You know, you had about two rounds, and then we were all dead. Whoa. And then, you know, now we're ghosts. You know, revenants and haunts and various types of... It was a reverse living campaign where we played... Oh. My paladin became a revenant. Uh, another guy uh, 
was a ghost inhabiting another person. Had to find somebody to inhabit. And uh, they're on, they're on in. And uh, one was lucky enough to be a vampire. Yeah, well. <clears throat> and so now we're the undead. And uh, we're out for vengeance. Sort of monster squad. But uh, <laughs> creepy horror uh, abounds as my body parts were falling off rather quickly. Oh, dear. You know, the revenant. You know, yeah, you regenerate, but... Uh, you know, I'm missing a few parts, but I'm still here. <laughs> uh, you got to give it up for the Revenant. Uh, yeah. You never quit. Well, well. And, you know, uh, it, and then having to try to be able to gather clues as you're the monstrous dead who everybody fears, but yet we're still driven by this mission to avenge who killed us. And, of course, it was reverse. And while it, you know, it was soaked with tension and. You know, we had to evade the monster hunters, the vampire hunters, the other adventurers, the professional uh, vampire slayer. Hmm. And, you know, the person who was a vampire wanted to, you know, not kill everybody, but yet sustain themselves. And having, <laughs> you know, vampire was kind of a new thing then. So he was kind of borrowing that, you know, you had to make a saving, uh, saving throw to avoid killing somebody in combat. Oh, wow. You know, just because the the bloodlust was once it was up, and of course, you know, I had the easiest one. I just wanted to find who who my murderer was. <laughs> so that's that's all there was to it. And uh, you know, of course, uh, it it is the uh, it is the quintessential. Uh, we went through the adventure as uh, the undead into Ravenloft. So uh, fighting Count Strahd, who killed us. Oh, sad ending. Defeated by Strahd himself. No, we didn't get. We we defeated him. Oh, oh, you won. All right, yeah, we all right. won. Uh, the vampire obviously couldn't wield it, and I'm the revenant, so I was the ex-paladin. Still, you know, kind of picked up the sun sword, didn't kill me right away, but... Uh, <laughs> well, let's not be detonating that searing ray. <laughs> yeah. yeah, couldn't use the sunlight power, and, uh, you know, we had to find the way to destroy the heart of uh, Strahd. But uh, then we were restored back to life, and everything was cool, And but it was so creepy and weird to be fighting other undead. <laughs> yes, we're the undead, like... You know, the vampire's like, hey, maybe they'll accept me. And, you know, there was different approaches to it. It was literally like, just like Halloween, we got to dress up as monsters. And, you know, not as such as we were meant to be harmful, but, you know, we were repurposed to a different advantage with the monsters ghost. Monsters with a mission. Yeah. Oh, man, that is a that is an interesting spin. I, man. And we, we Kudos played, to that DM. Yeah, John Gonzalez. He was like, hey, you know. You oh, all, no way. John yeah. Gonzalez? Yeah. Oh, crap. I hadn't thought about him in years. Yeah, but, you know, everybody, you know, created a, a decent amount he of was, uh Didn't he play uh, Klaus, the rogue, in the Warhammer campaign? Yes, he did. Circa 1989 or 90. Yeah. I remember that. That was most excellent. Ah. Oh. Good old Klaus. But, uh, yeah, um, that I know it sounds kind of lame, like, oh, it's not really scary. But when you're, you know, you've changed, your, you come into a game and you have your expectations set. Well, in Jump Scare, you get killed right out of the gate. But the game's not over. Now you play your corpses. Whoa. Nice spin. I like it. Yeah, all intelligent undead. Um, you know, free-wheeled, uh, a freewheeling uh, zombie cleric. <laughs> uh, not fast, but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, and the precedent is there in first edition from the uh, Bone Hill modules. Uh for the drafting of, you know, essentially undead with uh, minor magical and mm -hmm. right. powers. So, uh, yeah. yeah. 
And so, you know, that's what we were doing. And, uh, yeah, I was the face man. <laughs> I was the only one, you know, still had a 17 charisma. So, you know, I'm, I had to cloak myself up and, you know, I sound like Clint Eastwood after a bad, after inhaling two cartons of uh, Paul Malls. And a bucket of tequila. Uh, after something to say, I can't quite remember what it was because you're cowering in fear, but you can stop that now. <laughs> you know, because the sight of a revenant causes all creatures below a certain hit dice to flee. Yeah, fear and revulsion. Uh, I assure you that odor is nothing uh, to concern yourself with. Uh, I had Taco Bell. Do not mind me. And, you know, and having the vampire, we had to find uh, places to layer up during the day because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no daylight battles. But his his whole impression was is that, you know, you get to dress up in Halloween traditionally and go out and, you know, trick or treat. And, you know, and here, you know, <laughs> we were tricked. But we were treated to a good time. And, uh, you know, the, the idea, of course, they weren't long-attached characters, uh, no. Made the you know instant near instant kill uh, bearable. More, yeah, more palatable because you don't want to do that with people characters that people are deeply attached to unless they really know you and trust you. Because you know, a uh, room full of total strangers, you might get punched in the face for that. Yep. And um, oh yeah, the rogue was a wraith. That was it. Ah, level draining wraith. But of course, none of our powers meant anything to anyone. Or to the most of the undead. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really drain levels off a skeleton. You still do damage, but that's about it. Okay. A nice way to nerf it. Make you work for it. Yeah. Level drains. You just had our base damage and, you know. Oh, you cut off my arm. I just want to pick that back up and put that back on. Okay. (laughs) How come he gets to have the Revenant? Because he's got the highest stats. True. Revenants require... Very high stats. Yeah, three stats... The, you know, that are above uh, 16, yeah, yeah. One of the hardest undead for a DM to legally create now, DM fiat and creativity, yeah, exactly. You know, mean that hey, it's not beyond your ability to do this, uh, but you know, there is a credibility gap if they know that the evil mage that they defeated was a total wimp, there's no way that he could have come back as a revenant. And Strahd always so. used fire spells on I me, mean, goddamn him. Oh, that devil Strahd. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Well, you, you know, don't regenerate that crap. They know how to deal with revenants back they in Strahd sure country. Uh, Strahd's no idiot. Devil Strahd. Well, All right. So there's two little uh, ghost stories for you. I know that they're not the typical like you expect, like where we're walking down a trail one time and then this banshee came out and he killed us all. And so then that was the end of the campaign. I did throw a banshee at the players uh, after they were high enough level that... Uh, they had strong saving throws. Uh, the occasion necessitated uh, somebody actually coming down to the bonus from their luck stone. Mm. Um, <laughs> almost managed to tag a player out with that one. Uh, but they defeated the Banshee. Uh, of course, I had an artifact that was interred in a tomb, unwittingly as a piece of property belonging to the deceased. Uh, and it seems like artifacts in old school do not radiate powerful auras. There's no. no way to determine that other than uh, actually picking it up or uh, very high level divinations. 
uh, or knowing the precise description of the item. There's no way to know. Uh, so the item was in there without anybody understanding that it was in there. And it one of its side effects was that the dead would rise around it. Uh, you know, and what a terrible place to put an item that does that. You know, like interred in a very large crypt full of dead things and people. Uh, and then all of a sudden everything dead is coming back to life and wandering around and breaking out of the place and wreaking havoc. Uh, and the players had to go all the way in and first work their way to the center of the place, uh, mm -hmm. to the most recent burial, and uh, destroy not only all the undead that they encountered along the way, but defeat the animated corpse of the deceased wielding that artifact, which nice. uh, I used to uh, Kurov's quill. Ah. Uh, and, of course, the old-fashioned first edition uh, random generation charts for... Uh, artifact powers and the negative downside I picked uh, and I did not roll for it I picked it uh, was that it was raising the dead uh, around it and boy oh boy did they have a good time but that's where the banshee came in ah. along with a lot of other challenges so yeah um, it beats the story about uh, the time I found Miss Heward's, Heward's mystical organ as a bard and played Indigata Davida and ended up opening a gate to hell <laughs> and casting Meteor Swarm along with Prismatic Spear. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Which was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so anyway, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we're... You were done plaguing Oregon. <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> yeah, nothing. What's better than roses on your piano? Tulips on your organ. Oh, yeah. Okay. so yeah. Oh. All right. So, but anyway, besides those groaners, we hope you have a great Halloween and a merry and spook, spooky one. Uh, hopefully not too eventful, but uh, fun. And uh, don't overdose on candy. But uh, we here at the Dice is Screaming. Yeah, avoid the diabetes. Yep. Promote uh, responsible uh, trick-or-treating. So donate egg your neighbor's house, even if your DM has killed your party. <laughs> Empathy for the DM. Empathy for the DM. It's not all his fault. Um, so, but if you have any comments or questions, uh, just go ahead and use the Anchor app and leave us a message here. Or, of course, you can get a hold of us on our Facebook page or find us up on Twitter. Me at Death Hand Gaming. And myself at Magi Vox or Vox Magi. Right. So, until next time, may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. <laughs>